Dan, so glad we were able to meet today. Thanks for coming over. Whoa, what's that? Pretty awesome, right? It's my new FlexiSpot E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Goes from sitting to standing with the push of a button. You know, I've been thinking about getting a desk like that. I have back pain from being in a chair all day, but I feel like they're either cheap and flimsy or crazy expensive. That's why I went with FlexiSpot. This desk is super sturdy, but totally affordable. The base is made of automotive-grade carbon steel. Sit on it. Okay. Hey, this is cool. All right, I want in on one of these. Where do I find FlexiSpot? Just go to their website, FlexiSpot.com. And go right now because they're giving an extra $80 off their already low prices. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF to get an extra $80 off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Backed by an industry-leading 15-year warranty. Don't wait. This special offer will not last long. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF. That's F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. Go to FlexiSpot.com now. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. of the Puck and Roll podcast. Today, I am joined by Joshua Rosa and Aaron Idovich uh, for a more laid-back episode where we're going to discuss a few Habs prospects and some brainstorming on potential trades surrounding one very particular Habs player. Josh, Aaron, how are you guys doing? Living the dream. Living the dream. That is what I'd like to hear. Josh? It's too, it's too cold. Yeah, I know it's the first, first snow of the year for us in Ottawa. Yeah, for first snow in Montreal as well. And yeah, uh, I woke up and I was like speechless, didn't know how to feel, very conflicted emotions. And then I knew exactly how to feel because two buses fell through and I was late to class. And I was like, ah, yes, my favorite it part was of slippery outside my school. It was great. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, I guess to get us started, let's just dive straight into the rumor part of the episode. Josh Anderson, he is likely the Habs' most valuable trade ship at the moment, uh, more valuable than Jake Allen, more valuable than Sean Monaghan, uh, perhaps more valuable than Mike Hoffman as well, despite his scoring streak in the last couple games. Josh Anderson is under contract for another, what, four seasons five after years? this one? Yeah, so five years, including this year, at $5.5 million, which is not the contract that you really want to go into a rebuild with or i mean yeah the Habs aren't competing for another few years but he's a very valuable commodity and the montreal canadians could get an absolute haul for him if they do decide 
betrayed him. Now, Aaron, you said uh, you were you're hearing some things about uh, Josh Anderson in the rumor mill. So let's make this very, very clear here. I am not a hockey insider, but <laughs> I have the pleasure of knowing a couple of hockey insiders. And there are very, very clear ties that something's going to happen with Anaheim. It might not be Josh Anderson. It could be Hoffman. I doubt it's going to be Danov because there's that whole uh, no trade thing last year. That'd be funny, but though. It would be hilarious. But if, if you guys need any clarity on what's going on with Anaheim, Pat Verbeek was at the game last night. They're their general manager. And they have had scouts at every single one of our games this season. So something's up. And there is interest in Josh Anderson. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that, what that trade package would look like. I heard that there could be a center involved coming back to us. It could be Mason McTavish, but we have Where to add the Habs would have to add a lot. But and Sebastian was bringing up before, a good target could be like Pavel Mitukov, who's just a dynamic offensive defenseman. So if you want to talk a little more about him. I mean, if, if the Habs were found a way to get Pavel Mintikov or Josh Anderson and basically any other asset on top of that, uh, I'd be thrilled. I ranked uh, Pavel Mintikov eighth overall in the last draft, and uh, he's looking somehow even better this year than he did last year in the OHL. Uh, he's up to 28 points in 19 games, including 10 goals as a defenseman. He leads the Saginaw Spirits in points, by nine, and we're only 19 games into the season. And again, he's a defenseman. He is really dynamic and very solid defensively. Uh, and overall, if the Habs get him, that is immediately the best defensive prospect in the entire system, ahead of Lane Hudson, ahead of uh, King Gooley, ahead of anyone. And I'd be very happy with that. One other player that we could very well have interest in is... Nathan uh, Gauthier? No, Anthony Stolarz. I know he's like... 27 or something, but okay. I believe that uh, why? I believe that Jeff Gordon was really, really high on him when he was in New York as a backup for um, uh, as like a long-term backup option. So if that's still there, he could be like a part of a trade. I mean, that, that could only really work if the Habs then got a haul for Jake Allen as well, right? Because you're not going to It could be wait. Jake Allen or it could be we use Primo as a trade ship at one point. Yeah, but it's more like... I, I feel not, like Montembeau You're not going to wave Montembeau. Yeah, but you're not going to wave Montembeau just to add a third That's true. Jake Allen would have to go. Exactly. Uh, but I know that name, there's uh, been uh, interest in Stolarz before, so that could very well be something. The other name I was thinking of there is uh, Nathan Gaucher, uh, who is, again, he's, he's Quebecois. Uh, he is a power forward center. He's basically a lock to become a bottom six NHL in his career. He plays a very pro-ready game. Uh, he's up to 10 goals and 20 points in 17 games this season. Um, overall, a very, very safe prospect to get. Um, I don't, I, I'd be shocked if it were like him for, for Anderson one for one. I, I don't think the Habs would like, like the value there straight up. But it would be an option. Other names that you could add to that package, if you want to go like heavy Cume JHL, it could be something like Nathan Gaucher and Noah Warren uh, for Josh Anderson. And I know Aaron would love that as well, because uh, both he and I are big Noah Warren fans. Um, okay, by the way, I, I, need to, I need to go back. I'm an idiot. I mixed up my Anaheim goaltenders. Lucas Dostal, not Anthony Stolarz. That makes far more sense to me. Lucas Dostal would be a great target for the Habs. 
Um, I don't. I, one of the I mixed better. them up because they were both in one of my NHL 22 franchises. That is unfortunate. Yeah, even uh, I was confused as up, I was saying solos. Lucas Dossel has put up tremendous numbers everywhere he's played. Uh, he is still very young at just 22 years old. Uh, he is stuck in the AHL because again the Ducks have pretty good goaltending. Uh, but he's put up he. He's put up a 916 save percentage in both of his seasons in the AHL. And this year is at a 918. He's been very consistent there, uh, which is very rare for a goalie who, again, started in the AHL at 20 years old. Uh, I would love Lucas Dossal. I think he's one of the better goaltending prospects in the league, like probably somewhere around like seventh best in the league. So I, I would love that type of addition. Uh, and last name I'd throw out there, which, uh, or last two names that, like one of them just wouldn't happen, and the other one would be actually a fun, like kind of value. Jamie Dry's the other one that wouldn't happen. No, no, no. Uh, Owen Zellweger. Yes. Um, I I would love Owen Zellweger. Uh, he is uh just one of the most fun defensemen to watch. Uh, in in the CHL, um, his production isn't quite on Mintikov level this season just yet, but uh, basically everything I said for Mintikov applies to Zellweger. Uh, but Zellweger is just a better skater. Um, and perhaps the upside is a tight, a smidgen lower, maybe, uh, but just a very fun player. Uh, but if the Haas want to add a very, very good, but not quite as like expensive, uh, like player to acquire in terms of defensive prospects, because again, the Habs lack defensive prospects as a whole, especially guys that can play the right side. And this guy can play the right side in Jackson Lacombe. Uh, University of Minnesota player uh, who has 11 points in 12 games this season, all around just very, very solid and creative defenseman. But yeah, like, uh, uh, Anaheim has. I thought you were about prospect. to say Axel Anderson because he's a no, cool no, I, unfortunately not. Um, but but Anaheim would be a very fun team for the Habs to make a trade with because there are so many different targets, like even guys that I haven't named yet, like. Jacob Perot, I could see the, the Habs liking. Henry Thrun, uh, who's a teammate. Sasha, of Sasha Pastajov. Sasha Pastajov, Tristan Luneau, right? Like, like there are a, are a lot of names here. I, I would agree, but I can see why the Habs might want to target that kind of player. But there's just, there's so much opportunity here in terms of, of who the Habs could target, which is why they make good trade partners, right? It's not like, I mean, other rumors that we've heard around Anderson has, have involved the Calgary Flames, and the Edmonton Oilers. Both of those prospect pools are very dry in comparison to Anaheim's, which makes it a yeah. bit tougher to, to, to trade with just because they value all their players a lot more. Uh, in in Calgary, you, you could see a name. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll, start, I'll start with Edmonton. Edmonton, you, got, you have guys like Xavier Bourgo, You have uh, uh, Philip Broberg, right? I just... If we're just sticking to prospects, I'm, I'm not seeing that much in terms of value, which will also mean that Edmonton will want to hold on more to the players that, that they have uh, in, in their pool. However, if the Hats want to target a guy like Jesse Puyarvi, there I'd be very interested. Uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Puyarvi, but yeah, Aaron, uh, like in terms of Edmonton and Calgary, which names would you be going after? And Josh, please... Uh, if you have anything to add here, I'd be more than happy to listen. So, yeah, I, I could see 
just as a Josh Anderson fit, I could see Edmonton or Calgary being a better fit for him than Anaheim, just based on where they are trajectory-wise right now. Anaheim's kind of in the same place as Montreal, where they both have yeah. deep, good uh, prospect pools because they're both rebuilding. Like Anaheim's at the bottom of the West, or at least near the bottom of the West at this point, along with Montreal. So I could see that. And Montreal has recent trade history with both Calgary and Edmonton with the Brett Kulak and the Tyler Toffoli trades. I can see a one of those two more, more readily than Anaheim. I don't want to step on any insider toes here because once again, I am t- totally not an insider in this. I just got my little hockey gut telling me that I'm leaning more towards the uh, contenders that want Anderson than a rebuilding team. And I think we're looking more at an NHL return, like a Puglia-Yarvi, where he's had a terrible start to the season, three points. But yeah, that's that's Gordon's and uh, Hughes's MO is by low. low. I love. And he's low, and I think it could be a really neat, interesting, good fit for Montreal if they are able to swing that. I don't know if that's on the table, but it'd be something I'm looking at for sure. So I yeah. believe the rationale from Anaheim was they need somebody to help the development of Zegris McTavish that can actually protect them a little bit because, I mean, McTavish is on the, is on the fourth line. And Zegers is playing with really under, underwhelming line mates. We have too many wingers, Troy Terry. too many centers. I mean, Troy, Troy, Troy Terry isn't Troy Terry playing with? Uh, whoever Ooh, I've not been is. checking their lines though. I, I, need I, to, just, I follow them I on just, Instagram. I was just expecting them to to play together because they're their two. I don't players. think they're playing together. That is uh, okay. Interesting coaching. One second, give me give me thirty seconds. I'll find their uh, lineup from last game. But I am not going to beat you to that one. Uh, it is Adam Henrique, Trevor Zegers, and Troy Terry on the first line. Uh, second line includes a player that I've never heard of, which is rare. Uh, Pavel Regenda? Ryan yeah, Stone, Pavel Regenda, 22 Petrano. years old. Who is I have the... no idea where the hell he came from. Pavel Regenda. Um, let Wait, just... which, which website are you on? Because Daily Faceoff. Okay, because I think their Instagram said something different. I mean, Daily Faithful just goes with like their average lineups, right? Rather than like an yeah. outlier. Uh, which Does is, it, is he undrafted? Yes, yes. Undrafted. undrafted. Six foot three, 218 pounds. Uh, this is his first season in North America. He had four points in four AHL games and is now yes. up to three points in eight NHL games. And last year had 39 points in 43 games in the Slovakian Pro League, uh, which is exactly where um, Philip Meshar and Simon Nimitz played last season. Uh, Okay, well, look at that. Pavel Regenda, future superstar. Clearly. uh, He's only 22 years old, so room room to grow for sure. Uh, uh, With Edmonton, they just lost to Vander Kane. They did. And Mm -hmm. Josh Anderson is kind of the closest you're going to find to an Evander Kane-style player on the market right now. He's just worse and a better he's person. Just, he's just worse and a better person, yeah. But 
if Evander Kane was such a good fit on that wing, then I guess the logic would be Josh Anderson could be too. They already have Pugliarvi. Like, just play Pugliarvi. Sorry. It's Edmonton. They've given all of that play. <laughs> which is stupid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, give they, them to us. It's perfect. Exactly. It's perfect. Um, and then on, on uh, Calgary, in terms of interesting trade targets, uh, there are six names that kind of stick out to me. So they, they have more in their cupboard than Edmonton does. Uh, Dustin Wolf is the big one. If the yeah. Habs can get Dustin Wolf in the Josh Anderson trade, um, that is basically everything I've said about Lucas Dostal, I could say about Dustin Wolf, but just like ramp up the excitement a little bit. Dustin Wolf has dominated at every level he's ever played. Uh, he'd be an amazing addition. Uh, he fell to the seventh round of the draft year despite dominating the WHL because he's small. Uh, and it's the NHL draft, especially for goalies. Small guys fall. Um, in terms of other players, though, one I name that somewhere. I would have in mind is yeah, Dylan Dubay. Ooh, I, I like that shout. I, I've always been a fan of Dylan Dubay. Uh, so I. I, I, was, I was mainly thinking right now of just like non-NHL prospects, but if we're looking at their actual lineup, yeah, Dubay would be would be the one that would be interesting. And he is playing on their second line, right? So that would be like, like a like-for-like replacement where yeah. Calgary thinks, okay, we're, we're upgrading on, on Dubay here. And the Habs just get younger and cheaper. Uh, in terms of other prospects, uh, some interesting names would be uh, three former first-round draft picks in Connor Zeri, Matthew Coronado, and uh, Jacob Pellite. Uh, and all of those would be interesting in their own ways. Uh, I like Coronado the most of that bunch. Uh, has been a longtime teammate of Sean Farrell's, uh, who uh, we're going to talk about a bit later in the episode. And just very, very fun player. Uh Extremely high motor, very intelligent. The skating stride is a slight weakness, but again, skating can get fixed over time. Uh, Jacob Pelletier is solid. I think he's overvalued, especially by Calgary. So I'd rather not target him j- just on that basis alone. Connor Zeri, I think, would be more interesting because I don't think that Calgary values him quite as highly as Pelletier. So that could be interesting as a, like, creative, but also like physical centerman. Uh, and lastly, uh, Jeremy Poirier, um, who is a pure offensive defenseman. Uh, you're not going to see him do much of anything defensively, which is why he fell to the third round in this draft year. But the offense is just so, so impressive. Uh, he, he's one of the he was, he was probably the best playmaker in the entire QMJHL last season in his final uh, junior year. And uh, now he's in the AHL. He's already put up eight points in 12 games. And that would be an interesting target if the Habs want to expand on the defensive pool. But, of course, he is also a left defenseman. So, so I, I have might three more names. Want to lay off. Yeah, please. So one that probably wouldn't have all that much value, but I think there is some upside there, is Rory Garens. Okay. 118 points in 67 games last season in the OHL. Point per game yeah. in the ECHL so far. And he's probably going to be back in uh, Calgary soon with uh, the AHL. Another Matthew one, Phillips? What, I was about to say, I, I yep. love Matthew Phillips I love so him much. And, and now that we can trade for him and just have him in the minors. Yep. It would be and great. And the last one. It would be great. I decided to watch one game because I wanted to see the New Jersey's. And I was pretty impressed by Cole Schwint just in that one particular game. And for any uh, puck and roll listeners that are under the age of like 23, you won't get this reference. 
But Cole Schwint happens to be dating this girl named Overtime Megan, and having her in Montreal would be a lot of fun. She's a sports like caster. Okay, Sebastian's uh, like 20 and he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. Who is okay, this well, person? You don't know who Overtime Megan is? No, I don't, but uh, I, I, can, I can tell why you do. Um, okay, uh, cool. Uh, thank you for your insightful analysis, as always. I, anytime, anytime. Just, 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 just like your analysis on uh, Christian and Jordan Cairo, uh, very insightful. Uh, um, yeah, so I think as a whole, we can agree that the prospect of trading Josh Anderson is very exciting because the return would be an equally exciting prospect uh, and perhaps a very interesting package as a whole. And considering that Tyler Toffoli, who by all accounts had a lower trade value than Josh Anderson does now uh, in the spring, and that he got a first round pick, Emil Heineman, and uh, what was the last piece? Oh yeah, Tyler Pitlick. Uh, so great return there. Uh, but it's just be very exciting to see what the Habs could get, especially if they're, if they're, is a bidding war, right? If you see multiple teams trying to outbid each other for Josh Anderson. And again, like my my opinion here is skewed a little bit by the fact that I think that Josh Anderson is a fun but limited third line power forward, right? Like the just with that valuation, of course, I'm gonna love the idea of getting like a a first round caliber prospect plus more. Uh but I think as a whole, just with, with where this, this team is going, even just freeing up $5.5 million in cap space is so exciting. Just look at what the Habs did with $6.5 million in cap space in the offseason. They got Sean Monaghan for free with a first-round draft pick, right? Like, that cap space itself could manifest itself into more assets for the future. It's not just the assets that, that the Habs would get back directly in that trade. But, yeah, I think uh, as, as a whole... Uh, it's very exciting to, to, to follow these uh, these trade rumblings uh, because this is the one player where I think we're, we're all quite confident that the, the Habs would get an absolute king's ransom for, even more so than anyone else. They also, with that uh, with that extra space, got to pick up Evgeny Dodonov, who's on a heater right now. Truly, one goal, one goal in, in one game. That's one goal in one game. That's an yes. 82 gate goal. Offensive pace. outburst for, for one game. It was a great game, though. Like, like, he, he did great overall. He did really good. Despite it was a fluky score, goal, but he deserved it. I mean, look. Despite the score, Montreal didn't have a decent game for the first half-ish. Kind of fell apart near the end there, but it was a fun one. I mean, I thought that, that the Habs actually outplayed the Devils in that game as a whole. But honestly, one of the like it's a pretty good tank loss. The Habs played well. You saw some players that were quiet for most of the year play a bit better, and the Habs lost. Right? Like it's yeah, yeah, it's solid. Um, and also, the Devils are just kind of a look into what the Habs could be if we actually take this rebuild seriously. The the Devils' defensive core just brings me joy. Jonas Siegenthaler, they got for free. They got Jonas Siegenthaler for basically free, and he's amazing. They got John Marino uh, for for what? Ty Smith, was it? Yeah. Their defensive team right now is just... Thomas Tatar is is leading the league in two-way impact in terms of, like, 
suppressing goal chances and like like creating goal opportunities. Like I he's all over shut again. down. No, but like, like he, he's yeah, rediscovering he his form from the the Tardano Gallagher days. It's it's, it's lovely. And then to they see. have Simone Nemitz just sitting in the minors. That they do, and Alexander Holtz as well. Oh they have God. uh they, they've got They're some gonna players. Be so now. good. They have some very very good players stashed away. And speaking of uh, good players in the minors, Zadi Simino, uh, our good friend Hadi Kalakesh favorite player in the entire world. Zavi Simino is up to 10 points. Sorry, 10 points in 13 games in the AHL. His 13, his first 13 games in pro hockey in his life. And he's almost, he's, he's kind of close to a point a game. And this is on a team that has been very underwhelming for the most part. You're not seeing uh, the results that basically everyone expected of this team. And Despite that, Xavier Simino is second on the team in scoring as a rookie pro player. He's outscoring Jesse Alona. He's outscoring Justin Barron, outscoring Raphael Harvey Pinard. Like he has been incredible to start. And it hasn't been fluky either. He is playing his exact same style, very gritty, always attacking the slot, always capping around the net, whacking at rebounds, uh, is displaying his tremendous playmaking ability all over again, and is really just showing why he has that middle six potential that many of us have been yelling and screaming about for quite some time now. The moment that cemented it for me was, look, I've always been a Simino fan, and then he pulled off a check on a guy who's six foot nine. Curtis like Douglas. This man, yep. yeah, Curtis Douglas, the, the shortest person in professional hockey, pulled off a nice check on the tallest person in professional hockey. A guy pretty shorter pretty than Cole Caulfield versus a guy taller than Zdeno Chara. Is Curtis Douglas that, that was taller than, than Chara? I think Chara ended up being like 6'8 by the time he was 31 or 32. And Curtis Douglas was 6'9. Yes, that is uh, what? A, a foot and three inch difference between him and Simino because Simino is 5'6, yeah. uh, but 183 pounds. He, he is, is a he's a, he's a he's a he's, he's a built. He is a tank, and that is one of the reasons that he, that he has been so successful to start his pro career is because he's built like, like, like a brick basically. He's just a, he's one big brick, uh, and he just plants himself down and does not get knocked over by anyone, which is also why he's a fairly effective slot presence. Most small players aren't. But he is because he will just not topple over. He's not going to get pushed aside for anything. And his start in the AHL has been so much fun to watch. Another name that's been very fun to watch for me has been Vincent Rohr, uh, who I've been watching a lot of as I'm going to almost all home games for the Ottawa 67s. So I, I watched him a ton last season and I didn't rank him all that highly, but uh, but I always knew that if he saw a lot of development in the summer, that I would look like an absolute fool uh, because he was the youngest player in that entire draft class. And uh, wouldn't you know it, I'm looking like a fool now and I'm very happy about it because it means that the Habs have a very fun prospect in the pool now. Uh, Roar has centered the Ottawa, uh, Ottawa's first line uh, this entire year. Uh, this is an Ottawa team that is currently 16-1-0 with a 38% power play. Uh, they are basically the best team in the CHL right now. 
And Rohrer is their first line center. He's the heart of that first line. Uh, it is very much a, a, a brain, heart, and brawn type of first line with Tyler Boucher being the brawn, uh, Vincent Rohrer being the heart, and Luca Pinelli being the brain of that line. Uh, but that, that's not to say that Vincent Rohrer isn't an incredibly intelligent player because he is. Uh, he has so many pro-ready habits. Uh, he's a real general on the ice, commanding his teammates. Uh, like, I, it, it, he's really playing a leadership role there and being very vocal about it on the ice. If you, you go back, nose, if you go back, I believe it was actually my first ever episode on Puck and Roll. We were talking about the 22 draft and Rohr got brought up as somebody that the Habs were probably going to take at 33. And yeah. none of us were high on him at that point. But it just no. seemed like something that Nick Bobrov was going to do. And look, we ended up with him anyways. And the the, the reason so we were talking the reason we were talking about that is because I had I had some a little bit of inside info that the Habs were very 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 high on him, uh, and I didn't love the idea of that last year. I, well, look, I, I, not... I can say we got him at the right slot. Yes, no, for sure. I, if the Habs, well, some people will scream and cry that we didn't take Jordan Jumet. That's not the one I'd be crying about. Uh, like I, I really want Isaiah George there. Uh, yeah, I really, really want Isaiah George. But but Vincent Rohr is is really looking like incredible this season. Uh, he is initiating contact all the time. He plays with with genuine violence on the ice, despite being undersized. Uh, he he his puck protection mechanics are looking incredible this year. He drives the net all the time. Uh, he's become quite an effective goal line playmaker, especially on the power play. Uh, he, he's refined so many aspects of his game. And he looks far more projectable to me to the NHL now. And I'm starting to potentially see borderline second line up, upside there, which I couldn't really imagine saying even five months ago. Uh, so Vincent Rohr has, has really been very, very impressive. Uh, this year and uh the last guy uh mentioned him twice before today uh sean farrell uh sean farrell one of my absolute favorites i think we all adore sean farrell on this podcast we are very much a sean farrell hype podcast uh he is up to 10 points in seven games in the ncaa uh which just brings me joy that's always lovely to see when when your your skilled intelligent prospects are really excelling uh, especially when it's in a setting as competitive as the NCAA is, uh, even though it is Hockey East, which is not exactly like the Big Ten in terms of quality, but still, he, he, look, he, he's, he's doing great. And uh, this year, he's, he's, he continues to shine with his high-end intelligence. That playmaking upside is so high. I think he could be a great, great compliment to guys like like Cole Caulfield and uh, Nick Suzuki. Like if he, if he ends up as that like complimentary first line winger, like I, I could see that type of thing happening. Right. It, like look, look at like Toronto, for instance, right. They have not had a genuine first line talent play with Marner and Matthews ever really, but it's worked. Michael Bunting like that. I, I, I think, I think Sean Farrell has a higher upside than Michael Bunting. For oh, sure. No question. Yeah. For sure. And very different player, but has that thing is he, he has the intelligence and the, the, the elite end playmaking to not only like hang with the top line, but to improve them. Right. And, and like, like, like actually create for them and get 
and, and like, like like stay on their level in terms of of thinking the game. And one one of the reasons that we've all been so excited about having Kirby Doc in that top line is because there are very few players in the Habs organization that could keep up mentally with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, and Kirby Doc is one of them. Sean Farrell would be another uh, when he makes it, and Honestly, that kind of excites me. It's kind of weird looking back. We mocked Mike Bridgman's drafting tirelessly. In his last few years, he made a few really good picks. Like Jordan Harris, Sean Farrell. That, 20, 2018 and 2019 were... No, sorry, wait. Yeah, 2018, 2019 were yeah. two excellent drafts. And then Sean Farrell was the one pick in 2020 that I was super excited about. I, I liked the Caden Gooley pick. Gooley was second on my board uh, when the Habs picked. Only player I preferred was Maverick Bork. Um, but Which Sean Farrell. Sean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Dawson Mercer, I probably could have also put ahead of Gooley. But see, I, I'm a Dallas guy, so I, I know. I know. I I know. Maverick Bork. Me too. Right. Like, like, like at this point, I feel like it's, it's, it's very much a coin toss between the two, but I, I'm, I'm still very high on Maverick Bork. And but Sean Farrell was the one pick. Like I I I audibly cheered when the Habs picked him. Uh, like one thing I've been doing for the last few years has been writing down which player I would pick if I were the Habs for every pick that 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 they make as an organization. I picked Sean Farrell like a round and a half before the Habs picked Sean Farrell. Uh, I, I was very I, I really liked him. Uh, so when he dropped that far and the Habs got him, like I was I was not quite Lane Hudson excited, but very close. I, I, I've always been a very big Sean Farrell fan. My uh, only question, if, if we take Luca Pinelli, will it be above or below Lane Hudson? Depends where he's picked. If it's okay. uh, if the Habs pick him at 62, I'd probably cheer more than I'd cheer for Lane Hudson. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm that high. I, I, for me, like right now, Pinelli is right around the 18 to 20 range on my board. Uh, and if you consider the discrepancy between the 2022 uh, draft class and the 2023 draft class, he probably would have ranked ninth overall for me. Okay, so I've watched some Luca Pinelli. Yeah, he's not. A, he's not even in my first round yet. He blasphemy. I think he's at, I think he's at like 34 for me. I'm starting to combine all my 32. He's an honorable mention. I need to watch some more. Look, he's above like Daniel Boots and stuff, but Daniel Boot isn't even a third round talent. Come on. You can't throw Daniel Boots name here. I've only watched one game, so I've watched 30. I love Luca Penelope. I really love him. uh, Again, I'm I'm like ultra, ultra high on him. Like, I'm not expecting you to have him 20th. On your board, it's more just think first, like like watch some more. I think first round is uh, very much. Well, it's kind of uh, like our reform. shared passion of Victor Nuchev in like January. No, it's it, it's different. Like Nuchev was was like a really just fun, wild player. For me, Luca Pinelli is tremendously projectable to the NHL, and I think he has high end upside as a top six center, despite playing the wing this season. Uh, I think he is a center moving forward. And Luca Pinelli, uh, again, he, he's been playing on that top line for the best CHL team all season. 
And he's the smartest player on that line, on that entire team. I'd argue he's the best player on that, on that entire team already, ahead of a former 10th overall pick, which, again, shouldn't have gone 10th overall, but did. And ahead of a guy like Vincent Rohr, right? Like, 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 this is a, it's a weird team because it doesn't have the, the, the individual star power that you'd expect from a team that is 16-1 and one on the season. But what it does have is a ragtag bunch that is being led by a draft eligible. Luca Pinelli leads the team in scoring, and that's no coincidence. He, he, he creates everything on that line. He's tremendously effective in transition. Uh, his defensive play is excellent. Uh, the, all, all the advanced metrics for him back it up. Like if, if they didn't back it up, I would be hitting some breaks uh, on my Pinelli hype train a little bit just out of like worrying that I'm not quite seeing the right things, but I haven't even looked at the analytics for him yet. Like last, last season is a, is a D minus one. He was an 82 percentile player in, in the entire track data set by Mitch Brown, uh, which was uh, the highest percentile of any OHL player, uh, including guys like Cam Allen, uh, Colby Barlow, Callum Ritchie. uh, And I, I have Callum Ritchie in my top six of this draft class, right? But, but, but Luca Pinelli analytically was better than him last season. There's I so just got some like ridiculous hate online for saying Callum Ritchie was worthy of going first overall in like 2022. For, oh, 20, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. No, I, I, I 100% would have had uh, Ritchie over, over Shane Wright. Um, yeah, no, 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 so I, I watched, I watched a lot of Callum Ritchie after you said yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I so entirely agree with that. Yeah. And then I, Somebody blocked me because I was that bad of a scout, apparently. Like, look, he sent me a message, too, telling me how he was blocking me. It was adorable. That is uh, so sad. But, no, Callum Cal- Cal- Ritchie, again, wh- one thing with him is that he's not even at a point of game yet this season, right? Which, of course, is going to turn a lot of people off. But <sighs> he is so creative as a playmaker. And he's such a unique archetype, too, right? Like, like, like Shane Wright is... An incredible player, right? There's a reason I ranked him first overall last year, but he's not a unique archetype. Callum Ritchie is. You, you don't find basically any player like him where it's a an extremely high intensity, uh, elite playmaking two way center. Like you don't you don't find that he's, he's he plays physically. Uh, he's a great four checker. Uh, he will outskate anyone he plays in terms of like effort. The actual skating stride itself is flawed but in terms of effort he's like like he 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 will sprint for every loose puck but he plays so intelligently uh he would have been one of the top three most intelligent players of the draft class in 2022 uh i i i I am relatively okay with saying that i would have ranked him first overall he would have however been in the same tier as shane wright i'm not saying he's a tier above shane wright but i think i would have had him just a little bit ahead Again, it's still early on in the scouting season, and things could go south, right? That evaluation could change. Uh, I've watched a lot less of Callum Ritchie than I did of Shane Wright. Uh, but if I go back to, to thinking what I thought of Shane Wright at this point last year, to seeing what I think about Callum Ritchie now, yes, Callum Ritchie would, ed- would have edged out Shane Wright. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's all to say that the OHL is, all, is very fun this year, and that... Uh, my two favorite players, not not necessarily the, the two players I'm going to rank the highest, but my two favorite players in that league, for sure, in terms of draft eligibles, are Callum Ritchie and Luca Pinelli. And uh, I could go on about Luca Pinelli for days, 
Uh, but yeah, Aaron, just what I'm happy to send you some more game tape of Luca Pinelli. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I can I can only recommend. I'm thinking about just playing a joke on you and like putting Danell Boot like seventh overall. I would die inside. Uh, Daniel Boot. I mean, look, we're, we're on the topic, may as well. Uh, look, I, I don't have anything against Daniel Boot, despite what it may seem. It's more just a frustration with people ranking players so high when you're only ranking them because they are big goal scorers, right? It's a very limited skill set. Every aspect he of his game massive. is so slow. Like he is massive. There's not a single part of him that's fast. His release, he, he, he has, he has, he has a, a surprisingly quick release. He's sure, a very, but his very, hands are slow and his yes. is slow. His stride is so messed up. Oh, his stride is awful. Uh, he's one of the worst skaters I've watched in this class so far. Uh, the hockey IQ for me, however, is is the really big um, hurdle that I don't think I'm gonna get across. Like I, I wrote a game report on Daniel Boot uh, for Dauber. It reads like a rant just because of how frustrated I got watching him play that game. Um, he, he, he was playing in the MHL, which is the Russian Junior League, uh, which is a league that makes the QMJHL look like a defensive masterclass. Um, it is, it is a, quite a painful league to watch from a defensive standpoint. And despite that, Daniil Boot could not find soft ice. He could not find open ice in the offensive zone to get his shot off. And when you're only genuinely elite skill is goal scoring and you cannot find space in the mhl which is also a larger ice surface of course i'm going to be concerned about the predictability of that right like the individual tools are interesting uh and by tools i mean tool as in the shot the shot itself is amazing everything else is very flawed so i may be overextending on, on calling him not even a third round talent uh because I don't know that yet because I haven't watched enough players to, to actually say that. But what I can say is seeing him ranked 10th overall ahead of guys like Andrew Cristal is just laughable to me. I, I, I cannot wrap my head. I around love Andrew Cristal. Oh yeah. I, I do too. I, I, I have, I have Andrew Cristal ranked in the same tier as Zach Benson, uh, Callum Ritchie and Leo Carlson right now. I adore. Okay, no, Andrew I don't. Cristal. I don't. I have him. I, I have, have him ahead of Brady Yeager. I have him ahead of Brady Yeager. I have him ahead of Brady Yeager too. But there's, yeah, I, I just, I struggle when I see rankings that have a player like, like Boot that high, where I feel like you're, I, I, I just, I, I don't know what type of game tape you're watching in order to rationalize that, that type of ranking, apart from just looking at, at a stat sheet. Because the production's good, the shot's good, the size is there. He doesn't even use that size, though. He's very upright in the skating stance, and he gets out-leveraged all the time. Like he, he's not overly physical either. He doesn't use that size to hit. It's just I I don't I just I don't get it with him. I I I can't I can't rationalize him as a first round talent, let alone a top ten guy. So thank you, Aaron, for sending me off on a rant about Daniel Boot. I've got a question. Anytime. Yes, Josh. Um, so we've just talked about six foot five, Daniel Boots. He's big. And uh, yeah, he's a big guy. And then five foot seven, Xavier Simoneau. Five foot six. Five foot six. Tiny. Um, <laughs> tiny, yeah. Can is it safe to say that we're past the too small argument with the way that the league's going, safety, physical play? Can we like put to bed 
the too small argument at this point because I'm gonna have a different that, opinion than Sebastian here. In my opinion, I think we like I don't see being too small as an argument against a player anymore. Yeah, the, it's a great question because I, I don't think there's, there's one answer to it. I think with with size, it, it's not that there's like one perfect size to be in the NHL. It's more just every size, especially when it's at the extreme ends, like five foot six or six foot six, is you're gonna have some type of of, of hurdle, right? If you're five foot six, you're gonna need to be able to withstand physical pressure more than your six foot six counterpart, right? Like, like you're, you're gonna have to adjust to that. If if you're five foot six and you can't withstand physical pressure, like I'm sorry, as much as I, as I love small players, that is not going to be like I, I, I would not be able to see that player progressing into pro hockey in any real sense, right? But the reason I, I love players like like Wayne Hudson is that he excels under physical pressure. He likes drawing it in and getting around it. Uh, or guys like Xavier Simono, who out leverages guys that are six foot eight, right? Like, like he's, he's six foot nine. Or six nine, sorry. Massive, massive players. But again, it's all about leverage, right? So Danil Boot is big and heavy. He's like, he's like 230 pounds already, right? Like he's he's really big. But he, he he stays so upright and he doesn't use his strength very well. So any regular MHL player, which is not a very good player, but any player could out leverage him despite the size difference. So what I'm saying is like as a bigger player, first you're gonna have to to, to work on leverage, right? And 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 learning to 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 use that advantage because in terms of strength, it still is an advantage, right? But you're gonna have to learn to actually apply that practically. Another thing is your skating is gonna be a lot more sluggish if you are six foot five or four or whatever, right? You're, you're going to, it's not going to be as fluid as a smaller player. And that that's normal. We're going to have to compensate for them, right? You're going to have to learn to, to really like refine your skating mechanics. Uh, and the opposite can be said about smaller players. Small players can be tremendously fast with very flawed mechanics, but because they can just like, like have very, very quick strides, uh, they can, Kind of make up that difference a little bit. So different hurdles for different players. So for me, from my standpoint, I'd love to say, yes, we are past this in the NHL. Uh, I, I don't think we ever will be, honestly. I, I think there's always going to be that, that, that tendency to draft bigger, which part of me kind of still likes because it means that one of the easiest ways of just cheat coding the NHL draft still exists and just draft the small player who should have gone earlier, right? Like th- this is a strategy that, that just works. Cole Caulfield, Lane Hudson, and the list goes on and on and on. Right. But it, it, it's a, it's a tactic where it's just, it's not about drafting small players because they're small. It's drafting skilled players who are available where they are because they're small, right? There's an important distinction there. I, I'm not saying that, that small players have an advantage. I, I think they have a disadvantage. I, I think that, like a, a player who's six two or six feet, probably d- depending on position, obviously. But if it's a forward, if he's in that range, he, he's going to have the least hurdles, right? It's going to be the most, most straightforward way of, of of making the NHL. But the smaller yeah. players, to me, are more exciting because uh, they are. It's it's a market inefficiency, right? So, in terms of my 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 like 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 draft rankings, I'm always going to try to compensate that. Like especially when it's when it's like in regards to like the the consensus rankings of always trying to bump up the small players a little bit just because I think 
I, I love the skill here. And I think he should be ranked higher than most people are ranking him because I think even very progressive public scouts are still kind of like, like, like taking off points because of the size, even when the habits that the player has account for that, 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 that size difference. But yeah, it's a great question. And again, there, there is no real answer, but Aaron, please go ahead. Okay. So for me, what I, whether it's a small player or a big player, I just want to see how they use their size to their advantage because you can be a small player that plays like a small player. And there's ways that you can use that to, to your advantage. You can evade quickly. You can be the fastest player on the ice. You can be the sneakiest. Like, exactly. Like Caulfield, or he, he, yeah, he finds space. Exactly. And then there's small players that play big, like Xavier Simono, who's not afraid to get into those battles and, Brendan Gallagher do do yeah Brendan Gallagher do anything that a guy that's six five would just they can use their size and their strength to their advantage like Brendan Gallagher can deadlift five hundred and fifty pounds which is ridiculous yeah but then I also want to see with big players how agile and how quickly can you move despite your size and are you gonna get I'm not gonna say confused because there's some big guys with really good hockey IQ, but are you going to get stuck because of your size? So it's the way that they can evade and act like a small player sometimes. And I, I like to see that ability and those strengths come out when you're not between 5'11 and 6'3". Yeah, for sure, right? And I think like one of the reasons that we have this trope of, oh, bigger players aren't quite as intelligent. It's not, not because there's any correlation between size and hockey iq but it's because you see nhl teams draft players and develop them and bring them to the nhl because of their size while ignoring other issues in their games right but then you have exceptions like kirby doc who is big right he's he's he's, he's six foot four and he's among the smartest players on the entire Habs roster or in the entire organization as a fact right it's it, it it's a trope that exists not because it's true but because of the exact tendencies of, of NHL organizations that we're criticizing here. But yeah, I, I think there, there's a lot of interesting discussions to be had here. So, so Josh, that, that, that's an awesome question. Yeah, my problem is just when you hear of people being knocked down just for their size. Like you looked at Colt Offield before he was drafted and you could clearly see the NHL upside in his game, but that he was just getting knocked down simply because he was short rather like he didn't there he made up for it but that didn't seem to matter that was that's where i have my issues with it uh it's people looking at the numbers rather than the games but yeah who am i to say anything i'm just some guy i mean josh you have how many years of hockey watching experience i think i think you definitely have some some insight here yeah, I might have a couple on you guys, but uh, and I think you're catching up. A couple on, on, on us combined, because Aaron only has like, what, three years? <laughs> I don't even have two yet. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Yeah, Josh, you, you, you clear us combined yeah. easily. <laughs> um, and I think on that note, uh, we're going to kick off the final segment of the episode, which is our favorite segment, as always, This Day in Habs History. So, Josh, you have the floor. Finish off our episode on most beautiful note of a history segment of the team we know and love on this day the year of our lord 1955 
one of the most interesting players that you may not know about or maybe underrate a little bit, was born in Tachereau, Quebec, as Pierre Roland Larouche. Larouche was dominating the QMJHL before being drafted, namely in the 1973-74 season where he set the record for assists and points in a season with 157 assists and 251 points. The assist record still stands to this day, and the only player to register more points in the queue was Mario Lemieux. Like Lemieux, Laroche was drafted by Pittsburgh a few years earlier, and he became the youngest player to score 50 goals and 100 points with Pittsburgh, that record was later beaten by Gretzky and the Oilers. But a poor 1976-77 season compared to his previous numbers and the start to the 77-78 season prompted the Penguins to trade La Roche, along with the rights to Peter Marsh to the Montreal Canadiens for aging Peter Mahovlich and Peter Lee to create, create the rare triple Peter trade that might be unique in its in the NHL history. LaRoche then scored 50 goals in 1979-80 with the Montreal Canadiens, becoming the first player to score 50 goals with two different franchises, again beaten by Gretzky. After a short stint with the Hartford Whalers, LaRoche scored 48 goals with the New York Rangers in 1983-84. And he became the first and so far only player to have scored at least 45 goals in a season with three different franchises. LaRoche's 50 goals in a season is the most by a Montreal Canadian center in team history. His 48 goals are the most by a Rangers center in team history. He was the youngest player to score 50 goals and 100 points in a season at one point. He was the youngest player to score 200 and 300 points in his career, which was later passed by Wayne Gretzky and another underrated forward, Brian Trottier of the New York Islanders. He retired with 395 goals and 822 points in 812 career games. So, Hall of Fame snub or rightly left out? You decide. Hall of Fame snub. I, I, I've always liked Pierre Larouche. Um, that QMJL season is just absurd. Over I'll be real with you guys. Points. You've never heard I of him? Never huh? heard of, I've never heard of that guy before in my life. But from what I've just heard... Unfortunately. Not, honestly, if there could be a Hall of Fame for trades, the Triple Peter trade should be in there. Oh, for sure. Also, to put up 45-plus goals for three different names, that is absurd. Also, Gretzky he must have, never even... He must have hated Gretzky. He must have absolutely despised yeah. Wayne Gretzky. He All of his so many records. Like, this man would be in history broke. books. This the only thing that, that, that Gretzky, Gretzky didn't do, only thing he didn't do was go to the QJHL and beat his record there too. That's the only thing. But well, he's got the forty-five Jenny, goals. He's got those forty-five goals in three. He has those teams, forty-five. Yep. Gretzky didn't even do. He never reached that in St. Louis or. New York, or what an awful Gretzky player shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame either. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I think on that note, we're going to conclude this episode of the Puck and Roll Podcast. Uh, this was very much a discussion-based one. Uh, there was very little prep for this. It was really just going off the cuff, 
and just having a hockey chat because in the end that is exactly why we started this podcast was just to talk about hockey and that's what we did today so josh aaron thank you for joining me as always and to the listeners we will see you again next week with a very special interview with mac dumont and until then goodbye $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.